www.patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro gaming extra suit. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to Commander Keen. Yeah, with a little sprinkling of Call of Duty. A little bit. You know, people yeah. came back out. Yeah. Call of Flutie Flakes. <laughs> um, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I'll get started with Ben, mm-hmm. your Viconduct, who says, I played Commander Keen in my first years of gaming and I was blown away at the time. Maybe it was my innocence as an inexperienced platformer, but I found coming back to it that the actual gameplay elements didn't feel very good. The controls are fine, but difficulty can be unforgiving, admittedly made easier by a built-in quicksave feature, and the limited ability to see where you're going really hamstrung me at times. Also, my former nostalgia for the levels was unfounded, with the exception of the imaginative Miragia. Almost every level felt like the one before it, to say nothing of the infamous underwater stage. Even the music was a disappointing elevator theme, repeated ad nauseum. As I finished the game, I couldn't help but feel a little disillusioned with one of my first platform experiences. However, I found that uh, what the game lacked in actual platform gameplay, it made up for in flavor. The setting of Looney Exploration reminded me of Adventure Time and Spaceman Spliff. Um, I almost just said Spaceman Spliff, yep. which is like the Snoop Dogg like <laughs> version of it. Um, all of the monsters are so cartoony as to be laughable, complete with little birdies around the stunned enemies, and all of your power-ups are just candy. Even Keen's gra- uh, garb is adorably immature, and the ending sequence feels appropriately like a sci-fi B-movie made into a comic. Although I didn't much enjoy going uh, the game going back to it, I really appreciate its feeling of innocent fantasy. Commander Keen knows what it feels like to play make-believe as a kid. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway, too, is that make-believe side of it. Like, you know, yeah. we, we we laud um, kid logic whenever we see it. Like, you know, we're both Adventure Time fans, and uh, whenever mm-hmm. that pops up. Um, so anything that can kind of capture that and, uh, um, you know, uh, re- relay it to a, to, a, to a bigger audience is uh, is something at least worth checking out, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, quick save, you might just mean like the ability to save anywhere. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a quick save that you found that I wasn't, I didn't have, <laughs> you know. G- g- give me the 12 minutes of my life that I yeah, spent. Yeah, exactly. Good on you in that fucking menu. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know how infamous the underwater stage is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, I don't hear a lot about Commander Keen. No. Like uh, Commander Keen 5, when I was looking up walkthrough stuff for it, like it has like one message board post. Mm-hmm. Like this is a loved series, but the fifth one is not not loved, and the the later ones, I think it's like it kind of congeals in people's head. Yeah, it's like you know, it's just Commander Keen, mm-hmm. and people don't think about the individual enemies or levels or elements very much. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So Zane writes in via contact saying Commander Keen is a product of its time, and it falls prey to the worst sins of PC platformers: rigid controls, unfair deaths, points that don't do anything, lives that require you to save scum, and irritating backtracking uh, for anyone who doesn't know the maps. That said, I'm not sure why it's okay when Keen does it. Maybe the gameplay isn't enough to detract from the wild worlds that Keen explores. Maybe I have too much nostalgia. Keen Four, which I played a lot, felt a lot more natural than Keen Five, which I didn't. Or maybe it's just the raw star appeal of an albino eight-year-old with a forced attitude and uh, and all of three uh, facial expressions. Overall, I did have fun playing back through it, and it wasn't quite so aggravating once I remembered that you can save in the middle of a level. But in the end, I just can't recommend this game to anyone who didn't play it as a kid. Even if you do, turn those sound, effect, uh, those sound effects off. Bleep blorp, bleep blorp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the sound effects actually kind of like was part of the nostalgia thing for me. Like they're not yeah. pleasant, but it is just kind of like, ooh, PC speaker stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, emulation. Yeah. That blew my mind when I first heard that. Like the only sounds that I heard the machine make before were like little like Windows alert yeah. sounds. But the fact that they could use that tiny little internal speaker because we didn't have actual speakers to make music and sounds and stuff. Yeah. Here's my favorite little touch in the game. Because Keen wears a helmet, if you actually jump and the top of his sprite hits a ceiling, it'll make a little like a little, oh, yeah. like a little tink sound as a, as it hits. Did you um and something else we didn't talk about in the episode, and we'll be surprised if somebody doesn't mention it in the uh, write-ins or if someone doesn't call us out for forgetting it if I don't say anything about it, <laughs> is how uh Keen's idle animation. Like if you don't press anything for a little while, how he sits mm-hmm. down and looks at his watch. Oh yeah, on his phone. Or he uh, or he uh, pops down and sits uh, sits cross legged and reads a book. Oh yeah, that's what, that's what he's doing. Yeah. yeah, he's not looking at his watch; he's reading a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super cute. Yeah, like uh, that was another little detail that was uh, very impressive mm-hmm. at the time. Um, Ryan says via contact. I first played Commander Keen when my father brought home uh, one of those shovelware shareware CDs from the mid '90s, which had Commander Keen, Secret of the Oracle on it, along with time honored classics like Ancients One, Death Watch. Dark Ages, and Pork, the Zork-like. <laughs> what? I, I like Pork, the Zork-like. I, is that like pissed? Yeah. Like, I, exactly I, gotta, I gotta look up Pork, the Zork-like. <laughs> like, it's a good name, too. I named my firstborn son Pork, the Zork-like. <laughs> like, um, but what if he Keen doesn't the, like Zork? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, as, or, as long as he likes Pork, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he is like Zork. Mm. He doesn't like Zork. He is, you know... Uh, a text adventure child. <laughs> he can't. He can't open doors. <laughs> He's just a string of text that that spools out of out of my wife's birth canal. Ooh. At the time, <laughs> like an animate text adventure. <laughs> like, what do you feed me? Um, it's like and, alter ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Keen is the only one of those that stuck in my memories. And I went back to try it again when you mentioned you were doing it for the show, and now I'm torn. I still love the colorful backgrounds, the cutesy enemies, and the non-linear level select, but the controls are awful. Depending on difficulty, they're either much too floaty, leaving you careening through the air with barely any idea of where you'll land, or much too leaden, leading to just enough flying into pits that I thought I had avoided to cross my frustration threshold. Not to mention all the horrific deaths from merely brushing against enemies. If all the levels were the size of the first few, this wouldn't be a problem. But trying something like Crystalis or Miragia exceeded my patience. I put in a few levels before deciding it was better as a happy memory than as a current frustration. I like that. Happy memory, current frustration. That's yeah. good. That's, that's, uh, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. That's something we said in the episode, too. Like, if the levels were just shorter overall and there were more of them. Yeah. Yeah. That would be uh, that would that would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, those shareware CDs, like, we talked about it a little bit in the Jane of the Jungle episode of uh, Abject Suffering, or what was that, Onismus? Uh, Onismus. Yeah, it came out this week. Um, then just uh, I had a friend who had that. That was where I played uh, Catacomb 3D. Oh, Catacomb 3D. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. had a friend who just had that, and that was that. that's all we played because it was Doom, but there were skeletons and you had fireballs instead of... Uh... Yeah. Man, that, that can account for so much of my life, actually. Yeah, yeah it explains it all. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's my origin story. Just a just a CD that had catacombs <laughs> on it. Uh, let's see here. Solomon writes in via contact to say, "My first prolonged exposure to gaming was a bunch of pirated Apogee games on my family's first 386: Monster Bash, Bio Menace, Cosmos Cosmic Adventure, and of course Commander Keen." Keen's goofy character designs and sensibility grabbed some part of my impressionable brain. I vividly remember myself in kindergarten or maybe preschool. Jesus. 
Man, yeah, I feel you. Mm. Uh, drawing the green crabby guys from the secret of the Oracle. My early creative efforts generally revolved around cool kids blasting aliens. Um, I made at least one friend by connecting over the series. The installment that, st- that really stood out for me is Keen Dreams, a bridge game between episodes three and four. Keen Dreams is about Billy Blazkowicz's feverish nightmares about evil vegetables, because kids hate vegetables. Uh, at the time, I was genuinely afraid of several of the enemies and was unable to finish the game because of it. Goddamn running broccoli. I bought the Steam collection a few years ago without hesitation and couldn't, couldn't get myself back in to play more than a half hour or so. Plus, Keen Dreams wasn't included. Looking back, I don't know how good, if at all, the games really were. Uh, but it's always a pleasant surprise to see Commander Keen show up without me, without, without me nostalgia Googling for him. Super excited and, 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 and interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. Uh, so hopefully you liked the episode. Yeah, Keen Dreams, the reason that doesn't show up is because it wasn't published by Apogee. Yeah, and they, they just recently put it, you can buy it now. Yeah, it's on they, Android. Uh, yeah. yeah, they put out a new version of it. Um, it's not very good. Hmm. Uh, Keen Dreams, uh, there's no music at all which is really weird. Um, you, uh, the actual, the way that you progress in the game is to find these bombs in certain levels, but it's really unclearly signposted whether there'll be a bomb in the level and you have to collect a certain amount before you get to the end boss. Oh, man. Um, but it's not like just a gate. It's like you have to be at the end area with a certain number of bombs and there's nothing to tell you that you need to do that. It's really goofy. Um, yeah, Keen Dreams didn't stand up for me. It is weird. Mm-hmm. Like I love how weird it is, but it's it plays as one of the worst Keens, I think. Yeah. Um, at least when I tried it again like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Nick says my contact. <clears throat> Uh, only in hindsight do I realize what an impact id software had on my addiction to video games. My grandfather owned an IBM computer, and on one regular weekend visit, he showed me how to use DOS to load up Commander Keen. It was the first game I had ever played. Mastering the Control-Alt and Directional keys, I explored an unfamiliar world. Soon I forgot the keyboard was even there, skillfully traversing the alien landscape to repair my ship several times over as I collected all of the pizza, Pepsi cans, and candy. I recall wishing they could become rewards in the real world, <laughs> via our noisy dot matrix printer, despairingly limited to only producing paper with perforated old edges. At age five, I believe this uh, digital to analog device to be one brilliant invention away. After all, I was already in another world fighting aliens and wolves wearing tracksuits. Why not? Yeah. 3D um, printing is here and it's going to change the world. Yeah. No, yeah. It's just, you were just, <laughs> I, you know, at some point it will. <laughs> yeah. The technology will get there. Like if it's ever a matter of making things cheaper or, or smaller, it will happen. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, that's what we need with 3D printers um, for a lot of things with it. Like we don't, we're not the replicators yet, but oh man. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't leave the room until my grandmother asked me to stop playing Captain Keen and come to dinner. <laughs> I love uh, grandpa. I love grandma yeah. names. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> it's fun. Um, yeah, that world was all I could think about. I daydreamed about the game. Green Bay became my favorite team uh, for a sport I didn't watch. And for Christmas, I requested and received a pogo stick. I was obsessed with, quote unquote, playing computer. One weekend and several games later, I returned to my grandparents' house to find Uncle Tony occupying the computer. He was playing a new game and shooting German-speaking men in uniforms. It used similar keyboard controls to Commander Keen, but the world was from the view of the player. Keen was nowhere to be seen. Look at that face at the bottom of the screen were the only words I could manage. That's the best part. Uncle, or that's the best part, Uncle Tony joked, never looking away from the action. Commander Keen had only been its gateway drug. <laughs> Side Nick. Um, P.S. Uh, do you guys recall your earliest computer or console game or a title that solidified your love of gaming? Yeah. I mean, for computer, it was this one. 
<laughs> right? Like, so I that 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 is a boring answer, but I'm sorry to be boring. No, it's not that boring. Quite well told, Cole. Good answer. <laughs> the, uh, um, don't patronize me. Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah. I I, uh, I don't remember my precise first computer game. Um, it may have been. It, I mean, it wasn't this one because I had played um, adventure games and watched my uncle play adventure games mm-hmm. um, quite a bit before I actually got a chance to play myself. And uh, around that time was when I was getting cast off computers and was playing um, like Gorilla in Basic mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but the, uh, yeah. And then, uh, console wise, you know, my family, before my parents got divorced, we had an Atari. Um, so I played, uh, ET and Joust are the two games I remember playing on Atari. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, I wouldn't say those like, you know, like solidified my love of gaming. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not, that's not why ET does, but I did, you know, at that point I was ex- aware that video games were a thing and knew that I wanted them to be a part of my life. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Graham writes in via contact saying, Commander Keen 4 is one of my earliest video game memories. Uh, I had to have been four or five. I think that this was the first time I really tried to play a game instead of watching my older brother or dad. And it was way hard for a new gamer. Granted, this was before I understood the gentle art of saves coming. The gentle art. (laughs) Or or even the gentle art of saving in the middle of a level like using a checkpoint. Uh, I couldn't beat more than the first two levels. The fact that the enemies uh, and traps could kill you in one hit was intense. Additionally, when you die as Commander Keen makes... uh, When you die, Commander Keen makes this eerie, scared, stupid expression uh, on his face while he bounces off the screen to a very mocking death jingle. Unsettling. Speaking of music, Commander Keen started a lifelong appreciation of video game music. Oasis, the theme that plays in Slug Village and Hillville, uh, was the first piece of music I ever really liked. Uh, the soundtrack isn't great, though. Uh, the, co- the, the composition is pretty decent. It's just that the sound engine is comprised of a wide array of obnoxious robot farts. Uh, revisiting the game was, uh, was pleasant enough. Uh, Commander Keen is one of the better PC platformers from that era, although there are some problems with the gameplay. For example, I noticed that Keen walks left that when Keen walks left, uh, the camera follows him by keeping him in the middle of the screen. When Keen walks right, the camera drags a little bit, giving the player less room to see in front of the way uh, in front of the way that Keen is running. This makes it easier for enemies to jump out and toast Keen before the player has a chance to react. The level design is pretty great. The nonlinear structure of most levels provides a great feel of exploration. Uh, I don't care about high scores, but it does feel good to discover the secret uh, that gives the player thousands of points. Visualize. Yeah. <laughs> My vision board is just a bunch of like candy bars and stuff. <laughs> like like you've got a job, dog. They just go to the go to the gas station. <laughs> yeah, like a two minute walk away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the trick. Once you can buy as much candy as you want, you don't want candy anymore. Exactly. That's the tragedy of life. Um, Commander Keen is probably as good of a game as uh, as good as a game can look with that limited EGA color palette. Making Commander Keen pale as uh, pale as ivory instead of pink like most developers did with the EGA palette was a good choice. Uh, CK4's graphics have aged much better than other games of that era. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks really good. Uh, have you seen the CGA version of these games? Yes. It's super yeah. gross. Yeah, CGA, CGA is hard. Yeah, like CGA is nothing but pink and teal. Yeah, that, that is a tough graphics, graphics mode. EGA and, and VGA I have affection for mm-hmm. um, as old PC uh kind of graphic styles but color palettes yeah but yeah um you know i'm i'm with you mm-hmm. for the most part yeah the uh yeah so thanks everybody uh for that and uh we actually have a couple of, of late call of duty responses if you remember from the last episode uh we had none mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a surprise but uh some people did uh did 
chime in. Yeah. Um, I, I was very happy that people were like, why are you guys doing this game for the show? Like it's out yeah. of the wheelhouse, like all of that. I was like, oh yeah, we did something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Chris says via contact about Call of Duty. Um, the thing I remember most about Call of Duty 4 was the multiplayer map design. Every map, uh, just real quick as a note, one of the reasons why I wished more people had, had written in, I'm glad that he's addressing this, is to kind of shore up that multiplayer knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I was expecting. Like, oh, we're going to go through the single player campaign, but everyone else probably spent tons of time doing multiplayer. But maybe those people just don't listen to the show that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, he continues. Uh, Every map was carefully crafted to have its own unique flow, from vacants, intense hallway firefights, and cubicle shootouts, to a portion of your team taking up position and holding out against a hailstorm of bullets in a cave in Creek. Beyond just their unique dynamics, each map contained several micro-maps, each suited to a different playstyle. Crossfire is the best, best example of this. Crossfire is a long street with houses down each side. There is a lot of house-to-house fighting with shotguns and submachine guns to cover your assault rifle and LMG teammates as they engage in firefights uh, with enemies and houses across the street, while your team's sniper at one end of the street is gunning for the sniper at the other. All these micro-maps overlapped. If your shotgun guys lost, their shotgunners would kill your assault rifle guys, and suddenly your sniper was wide open to fire from the enemy assault rifles. The construction site in Strike was a regular haunt for me as a lover of uh, SMGs. Modern Warfare was the first game that really opened my eyes to the concept of map design as an art, and in my opinion, no game since has done as done it as well. Yeah. That, that street level sounds rad. Yeah, it does. Like It sounds like a very precarious balance. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. That just makes me want to play Team Fortress. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Team, Team Fortress is... Oh, boy. Yeah, like that is uh that that like specifically classic. Like that is my that is my touchstone for any kind of like online multiplayer shooting. As he was saying this, I was thinking like, oh, I really liked that one level that, and then I realized all of them are Modern Warfare Two. Like yeah. <laughs> Ben from the level, he's a huge Modern Warfare Two fan. Like mm-hmm. he like he is really really good at the multiplayer, and uh, that's most of my exposure to the multiplayer in that series is kind of fumbling through levels with him. So. Yeah. So yeah, I have nothing to add to the conversation about the first one though, but those levels sound rad. And the the thing about um the difference between that, like that sounds much more intentional than the levels in Team Fortress Classic, which are that are, you know, intentional, but they always kind of felt more chaotic. Yeah. To me, like there wasn't the intersection between classes because you didn't know who was gonna play what classes. Like if you had a guild, like you could assign people, but mm-hmm. if you were just, you know, getting into a random public match, yeah. you don't know what mix up of classes you're gonna have. Mm-hmm. But if we had talked about the multiplayer more, I was gonna talk about how that was why I played Team Fortress, Cla- Team Fortress Classic and loved it because of the different, the classes felt so different. Yeah. Like having enemy, like characters that had specific powers and being able to find a playstyle is always going to appeal to me more than the more subtle distinctions and say like Counter Strike. Yeah. Like I get that like a weapon feels is very different in Counter Strike, but the distinction is so granular that like it doesn't work for me. Yeah. I need something a little bit more bombastic. Yeah. I need something that, you know, very, very, very broadly telegraphs its differences from the other stuff. Well, and it's just, it's fun to like express yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Like I love a character creation. And I love a character select mm-hmm. in a game. It's like if, if it actually matters like that, you know, that's one of my favorite things to yeah. do. You know, and just, I'd be lying if I said that what attracted me to team fortress wasn't the meta game, honestly, mm. like, Oh, like I, I play medic and soldier. Well, you know, yeah. whenever, whenever I play either of those, they're very different roles or even like a little bit of engineer. Like though, like those were my roles on the, on the, on the team and the clan. Right. Yeah. And so like that whole structure around it, like that is, you know, structured competitive play that feels very, that, that feels good to me as opposed to like raiding in an MMO or trying to be in a counter-strike guild where it's mostly about, you know, performance as opposed yes. to finding your role. Right. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and we're going to round this out with Sporky McForkerson, who writes in via contact saying, I rather enjoyed your discussion about Call of Duty, particularly its fairly blatant pro-military propaganda. Despite having a few moments where the writers seem to consider questioning the U.S. military's actions, uh, that's mostly not what the game is. Even one of its better moments, the dispassionate radio chatter in Death From Above, is still accompanied by what is basically just gun porn. And it works if you don't go into the game watching for its oversimplification of the Middle East anger at the West and its essential message that even at its worst, America is always trying to do the right thing. Modern warfare can go a long way toward convincing a player that the terrorists just hate us for our freedom. Really, the closest the game comes to asking the player to think about the military is when Jackson dies in Aftermath. Uh, uh, you know the nuke scene, um, and even there, the only failing is shown in the mili- uh, The only failing shown in the military is that soldiers are too willing to sacrifice themselves in order to leave no man behind. The millions of dead Arab civilians are nowhere near as important as the dozens of dead Americans. I've always loved the example set in Thank You for Smoking. The movie spends most of the first act building up the main character as an unashamed asshole fighting for tobacco, fighting for the tobacco industry's rights to give people cancer. The second half then uses every propagandist trick to make you empathize and even root for the main character before finishing with a reminder that he's still an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that that bit. I, I don't know if we said this exactly, but the idea of the criticism being like, maybe the American soldier is too noble. <laughs> like, what they're too willing to sacrifice for their fellow soldier. <laughs> like, their only mistake is caring too much. Um, but, it's like a shitty job interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'd have to say my greatest, uh, my greatest failure is that I'm always willing to go back into a nuke zone to save a pilot. <laughs> um, I'm just willing to go that extra mile. I sometimes work too much. <laughs> put in 110%. Um, yeah, and the, the, the thank you for smoking, you know, example is also pretty spot on. That's a really like good it, movie. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah I watched it uh, recently. Um, I took a, a class last term on film and health, mm-hmm. um, like using film for health advocacy. And the uh, that was one of the first movies we watched in class, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, and it is, watching it the second time with kind of my increased sensitivities, um, like, I kind of wasn't fooled by it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the entire time I was like, oh, this guy is a terrible parent. Like, he is, <laughs> he is, he is a terrible monster. Yeah. All of his friends are monsters. Everyone is a monster. And it mm-hmm. made the movie feel a little less like it had, it made it feel South Parky, mm-hmm. you know, in a bad way. Like, it's still, I think it's still a good movie. Like, and it's definitely entertaining. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad message, but like, it does make it feel a little like, hey, everyone's a shit. Right. You know, like they they uh, they have the the character played by William H. Macy in that movie where like he's the guy who's against the tobacco lobbyists and they make him into a big asshole. Yeah. You know, like they have to like everyone's an asshole. We're <laughs> South Park. Like it's a little bit of that, little which bit. I, I am so sick of. Um, yeah. I think is, you know, one of the one of the worst things that happened to this fucking generation is this like yeah. idea that like, well, maybe everyone's just an asshole. Yeah, it's a, it's an obliteration of the middle ground. And, and, and it's a way to immediately to immediately shut down any critical thought that doesn't support yeah. the status quo. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or and it's also like one of those things, too. Like, it's not like I want, you know, maybe the truth is in the middle or to be the thing either. Like this weird like argument of of uh, kind of balance of both sides, like just eliminates the idea that, you know, it's OK to take a stand or that something mm-hmm. can be wrong. Yeah. You know. Like, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a guy on Twitter, um, who used to work for the escapist called the movie Bob, who had, he was like going on a tweet, uh, rant about this recently. And he was talking about how, like this generation, the, the, it's become the way that you argue is more important than what you're arguing. Right. Um, so like if, you know, some racist says something racist and the person criticizing them criticizes their character 
people who are watching are like, you can't do that. That's an argument, you know, yeah, at, at hominem. Uh, at yeah. hominem. Yeah. But no, at the end, the racist is still the bad one. Uh -huh. Like, it, like you can't necessarily forget that. That's still a racist just because somebody criticized them in a shitty way. You know, it doesn't actually change, you know, it's, like there's still an idea of bad. I mean, it's it's the it's the uh, the like the fallacy fallacy. The fact that if somebody employs a fallacy that they're inherently wrong. You yes. Know, right. And I think that, you know, a lot of it has to do with nerd posturing. And it's not so much, you know, who's right, but who's smarter and thus who has the ability to, you know, claim superiority no matter what the content of, exactly. of, of anything actually is. Exactly. It it is the uh, you know it also uh, you know it comes it goes hand in hand with like the ounce of hypocrisy and validates every single thing you've ever right. thought or did, mm -hmm. um, you know which is which is no good. Yeah. So the uh, yeah mm -hmm. so that that is a thing that thank you for smoking kind of does but is actually a good movie in spite of it. And, yeah, like it's it, yeah. it it is an effective comedy. It's not a very good piece of persuasion, um, specifically because it is attacking things that I don't know that there's any real um, kind of disagreement over. Yeah. You know, anymore, like it's it's a it's a little bit of like you know, not, oh, kicking the tobacco lobby while it's down or whatever. But like nobody would have empathy for you know what what, what they're what they're taking out. It's not nuanced in any regard, but it does have fun characters. Um, I like Rob Lowe's character in that. Like if, as yeah, long as you're making funny. this to review, you know, like oh, when do you sleep Sundays? Like that's a wonderful yeah. line that I sometimes say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's know. very funny. And then the um the character played by uh. uh Cowboy, McCowboy. What's oh, by, by Sam Elliott, yeah. Yeah, Sam uh, Elliott, the, the, the who, who's actually, man. Yeah. Who, who, like, I wish I'd stuck to his guns and doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. he ends up getting taken advantage of, but he uh, he's really affecting. Like, his story is very, yeah. you know, good, and I love Sam Elliott. Yeah, so. I mean, you're, you're gonna, man, his turn in Park, Parks and Rec. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I have, I've not watched it. Like, I'm, oh, I'm a wow. I watched yeah. the first three seasons of Parks and Rec and then uh, got divorced and oh. no longer had Netflix. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, ch check it out. It does It does get better. Um, yeah. Like even better than it than it was. Well, then. I, I like yeah. the third. I liked it a lot. I just don't watch oh, yeah. TV. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it reaches the, 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 those heights. Also, if you're watching, uh, if you're going back and watching, thank you for smoking. Notice that everything is yellow or brown tinged. Like the, yeah. like the cinematography and the and like the art direction decisions they've made, like make it look like a permanent tobacco ad, which is yeah, which is a wonderful touch. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is a good movie. Yeah. It's definitely a good movie. Um, yeah, so thanks, everybody, for for your responses. Mm -hmm. um, if you have anything to say about uh, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, or Chocobo's Dungeon, mm -hmm. uh, Final Fantasy Fables um, for the Wii, the, uh, you can hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs or support us at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for some very brief deleted scenes. I can't entirely make her a Bloodborne Widow. Yeah. Um yeah cool yeah like everybody everybody online is you know saying man it's so hard not to watch streams it's so like i just can't and i just the the, the waiting is just so difficult it's like i don't know like i feel fine <laughs> i feel great like yeah i would never watch a stream like if i was gonna watch something i would watch something that was artfully designed to tease me as opposed mm -hmm. to something that was just a, a vicarious experience <laughs> here's a camera shoved in a vagina yeah yeah I don't, yeah i don't need that like i'd rather i'd rather feel the silk rather than <laughs> Than just like picture the milk. You know I mean? Ooh. <laughs> it's some kind of like gross X-ray vision. Yeah, man. Look at it. The, the uh, whenever I see a pair of tits, I just think about all that milk float in there, and I'm just like, "Daddy got to swim." Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking gross, man. Uh, the uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I have no problem like being patient. Like I'm, I'm hyped for it. I'm very excited to play it. But I wonder about how much of that has to do with it being a little worky too. 
maybe you know i was thinking about that like whether i was just because i I did feel like a real game boner for isaac rebirth Mm -hmm. and watched a lot of stuff before it came out yeah um but this is more like just kind of like i know i'm gonna be spending a lot of time with this i'm just gonna be patient and drink it in yeah that's that that's really where i'm at the because i've planned it like i have time i have time set aside and i can focus on the stuff i need to focus on now and i have stuff to focus on now so that's you know it's yeah. not it's not for lack of other stuff to do. So Yeah. Yep, yep. I just got your picture in the box. I haven't seen yes. that. So yep. um yeah, I really want you and oh these are you took a lot of pictures. Yes, yes I did. I'm um, thorough. Yeah, that looks great. Yeah. That looks like homey and, and like a place that people live as opposed to an apartment where like people are temporarily stored. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And it's got that deck. Yep. Got a deck. Uh, that's great. Pop, that's wonderful. Pop a grillio out there. Yeah, that's great. Looks very nice. Um, I really want you to play Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I'm, it's, you, it's, you know what? If I don't, it's if, really legit. Like, if I don't do it right, now, I don't care if it's not on a sale. I'm just ooh, Legend of Grimrock Two is on sale as well. I, I thought about picking that up, but then I I need to yeah be I, more I, fiscally I responsible. I just bought like a thousand PSP games on <laughs> yeah that sale. Man, thanks, thanks for the heads up. I got like, yeah, like no ten problem. of them. <laughs> me too, and I bought like all kinds of like I remember like in the Siphon Filter series. Mm-hmm. Like, this is worth ninety six cents for me, but I, who knows when I'm gonna play Siphon Filter? Yeah. Um, probably never, but mm-hmm. I grabbed it. But that way you have it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually hook up my PS, my PS3 is unhooked. So I, the one thing I wanted to get that was a PS2 game was Katamari. Yeah. I, got um, that I still too. think, I think I still have my disc copy. It would just be for convenience mm-hmm. if I did that. So it's a I dollar. Think yeah. <laughs> like, I, I yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I already have Tokyo jungle from a previous flash sale. Yeah. So, so I got that. I got uh, wild arms one and two for convenience sake. Yeah, uh, for playing on PSPs and such, um, I ended up getting uh, uh, Dino Crisis one and two. Me too. Um, uh, and then I, I got don't. To... I don't even like those games. Like I'm just like <laughs> maybe I'll like them now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like a, yeah. I, I don't know. It's uh, uh, Resident Evil three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I think. Well, that was that on sale. No, I got that another time. Mm-hmm. I got that prior to that. I think. But um, yeah, uh, I got Mega Man X five. Oh cool. Because like it can't be that bad. It's a Mega Man game. Yeah, ninety six cents. X four is great. Do you already have that or? No, no, I haven't played, uh, and I've only played Mega Man X one and two. Hmm. So, yeah, X four is the one that I have the most experience with, and that is uh, that is a fantastic game. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I forget what else I got. I, I got Katamari uh, just on the off chance. Well, a it's fun to play, but on the off chance we ever cover it for the show, it's good to have. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and and as a, a segue, let's cover that for the show at some point. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, because that, 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 I love that game so much. Yeah. It's one of my all time favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm down with that. I like it a lot. I've never beaten it, but uh, did I, you pick up uh, Breath of Fire Four? Uh, I already had that from a while oh, okay. back ago. Yeah, I yeah. uh, picked up Echo Knight as well. That wasn't on sale, but it was six bucks. Yeah, uh, okay. pre-order Bloodborne on there. I canceled the the Amazons. It's uh, cool. Yeah, you know, so that uh, that works. Um, yeah, and I just bought uh, Darkest Dungeon because if I hem and haw, I'm never going to have it. Did you get it on your computer or on your? Because uh, I think you can play it on Vita. So I got it on computer. Oh, no, oh, no it's okay. Like, it's it's a good computer game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a good, like, listen to podcast and sit somewhere. Yeah. Once you get a little further into it, I think you'll dig it, man. Like, it is, it's real special. It's hard, mm-hmm. but, like, it just, it, it's it's also, like, I was thinking of ways to sell it to you. Not that I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but something we didn't say during the Comrade episode is it is a small numbers RPG. Ooh. Which, like, I know you like. Yes. Um, and, I, and I like, too. But it is, um, it's the, with a really, like, a really engaging battle system that does not, you know, tap A to win. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's small numbers where like you get hit for 12 damage. And it's a huge deal. <laughs> like it's devastating. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's super enticing. It's just not been at the top of my at the top of my like I need to immediately take action on this. But yeah, your recommendation carries a lot of weight. Like you know what yeah. I like. So yeah, and I and I've just been I I, I keep coming back to it. Like mm-hmm. I keep playing it instead of doing the other stuff I should be doing, <laughs> um, which is a good sign. Yeah, for it, a bad sign for my life and well, yeah, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to. I'm gonna go back and take another look at what's on that flash sale because uh, there's some stuff that you mentioned that I had not picked up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, like, like every, like I was just like literally it was just like, oh, this might be okay. Mm-hmm. I grabbed uh, Magic Carpet, <laughs> which is like oh, a weird yeah. game I always see, but never, I've never actually played or seen gameplay footage of. What is that? Is that Prince of Persia guy? Is that a Mechner? It's a, it's a. I think it's a Pierre Molyneux. It's oh. a bullfrog. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I can join the online rage. <laughs> like I'm just gonna join the forums. You're like, Magic Carpet was bullshit. <laughs> um, the, uh, just people going out and saying Molyneux was never good. Oh, uh, there's a there's a theme park builder, like theme park tycoon or theme mm. park something. Which like I could, I, love I have games. that on my PSP, but I I bet you I or on my computer, but I bet you I dig playing it on PSP at some point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Huh, neat. Oh, and and the last time there was a sale. Um, and it wasn't as strong a sale. I bought one of the uh, PSP armored cores. Oh. So I could try that. Um, and I don't think, I don't know if it's still on sale, but it was like $6.99 for one of them. Yeah. Um, a while back. Hmm. So, but yeah, there's a bunch of armored cores on PSP, and some of them are supposed to be pretty good. Mm-hmm.